so gracious. Lord, thank you for this time. God, this opportunity to, to gather together as your body. God, to glorify you, to, to, to show love to one another, God, and to learn more about you. Lord, I pray that as Pastor Joel comes up to bring the message, God, that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand that we will leave this building, God, changed. That we will leave better equipped to serve you and to show your love to those around us. Lord, help us to love you throughout this week and help us to love others throughout this week. We love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Well, amen, and good morning to you, and good to see you this uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this is such a, an elite, erudite, intelligent, sesquipedalian, pedameter, understanding people that are here today. Well, what in the world are you saying, preacher? You're the smart ones, right? You're not out there with all the crazies out in the, uh, at Robinson Island down at Orange Beach or wherever else. So I, I, I'm going to have to kick my game up a little bit and, and talk to the more intelligent people who are here today. You didn't think I was going to call you intelligent when you came to church today, did you? I do want to say just a couple of things uh, before we get started with a message. Number one... Uh, again, uh, we, we acknowledge that it's Memorial Day weekend, tomorrow's Memorial Day. I had no, no one in my family who died uh, in the service of our country through war. I had my father and my uncles who all served. Uh, and my dad served in the South Pacific. And I will never know the man's name unless uh, the Lord reveals it to me in heaven. But back during uh, World War II, my dad was standing, or a man was standing, no, pardon me, my dad was standing in the doorway to their Quonset hut in the South Pacific. And uh, he was doing what most Marines did in those days. He was smoking a cigarette. And uh, after he finished his cigarette, he went back in, and another man took his place. And 15, 20 seconds later, dad said, a sniper rifle rang out. And shot the man standing in the doorway where my dad had just previously been standing. And uh, you, you, I, I, I want to acknowledge his gift because it is Christ-like. And I think that's what Matthew was alluding to. Greater love has no man than this, but the man will lay down his life for his friends. And that is a Christ-like attitude. And we should honor that and respect that. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to set a precedence today and I, I hate setting precedents uh, because that means you have to do it the next time okay so I'm gonna do it today and the next one of you that turns 99 will do it for you okay but Miss Frances Redden is one of our church members and she is 99 amen And while you're standing, would you join me in singing, Happy Birthday to you, Happy Birthday to you, Happy Birthday, Miss Frances, Happy Birthday to you. Amen. She's 
she said, I love every one of you, and she means it too, okay? Uh, Hannah, I know that your husband uh, got, woke up on the bad side of her one day when uh, she was struggling with COVID and in the hospital, and uh, he was used of the Lord to help save his, her life, and uh, she was mad <laughs> because she was ready to go to heaven. And he said, but I want you to get back, and you've heard this, I know, but I want you to get back so you can see your family. And she said, I've seen my family, I want to see Jesus. <laughs> Be encouraged today, if nothing else, through that. Well, I'm going to speak to you again today. This is actually our third uh, sermon about false teachers. Boy, what a wonderful topic. What a wonderful thing to come to church for. But it's necessary, and uh, we're in Second Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to read uh, beginning in verse 17 and go down through verse 22. We're going to kind of review and cover all of this, hopefully, that's the, the goal and the plan, and I'll keep one eye on the text and one eye on the, uh, the uh, uh, time up there, okay? But let me begin reading in verse 17 where it says these, and he's talking about false teachers. These false teachers are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boast of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them from freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if they, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they again are entangled in them and are overcome, the last state, has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to never have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallowing in the mire." Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Father, we do ask you today, Lord, not to take a, a high position of our own standing as if we have accomplished something far more intellectual, so, something far, far more moral or far more spiritual than other people have because we have somehow become enlightened. But Lord, to recognize that we have a salvation that has become ours by grace. It is by your gift and the gift of your Son and the gift of your great redemption that we have the hope of eternal life. And it is through faith alone in Christ alone that we have become recipients of your great grace. But Lord, as we walk this walk, as we walk through this world and, and all of the constant changing and shifting sand of culture as as well as of in intellect 
Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk wisely as serpents and harmless as dove. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've given this a subtitle. The title is False Teachers, which I've already used before, but subtitle it Dogs and Hogs. Okay? You can, you can work with that. And uh, I'll bring that to a conclusion here in a minute. There's, there's, a, there's a difference uh, between sheep and dogs and hogs, and we'll see that. Uh, we've already covered the first part of this, uh, this chapter of Second Peter chapter 2. We've talked about false teachers. We've looked at their condemnation, first of all. Back in verses 1 through 9, we saw some of their uh, heresies, their false teachings in those first opening verses. And then uh, we saw that God has promised to keep them under judgment until the great day of judgment. Realizing that the way that leads to death is broad and it is wide. And the, and the way that leads to life is narrow and it is straight. There are those who would say about born-again Christians that you are very narrow-minded in the way you think. And the reality is we're not nearly as narrow-minded as Jesus. I got one laughter of that. Thank you. I needed that. I don't think anybody else got what I said. Have you ever thought about that? Seriously? I mean, the reality is Jesus was very narrow-minded. He made it very clear, if you're going to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and die daily and follow me. That is a very narrow path. That is a path that goes against our flesh. It goes against what we want to do. It goes against pleasing me. It ultimately rests solely on, I want to please my master and my commander-in-chief, the one who has enlisted me into his army, I am serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that bids us let go of the world and hold tightly to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that bids us to let go of the teachings of the world system in which we live and be very narrow-minded to what the biblical content of Scripture has to say to us. The scripture also tells us and, uh, that uh, we were wa warned about false teachers by the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark's gospel as well as Luke and John uh, and then ex uh, explicitly and implicitly in John's gospel. We're warned about false teachers for it says for false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders and they have a purpose. And what is that purpose? To lead you astray, if possible, even the elect. We're talking about the children of God, the saints of God. So you are to be on guard and know this. I have told you this beforehand. The idea is don't be surprised that you have false teachers. Jesus said you're going to have false teachers. So there is a promise of condemnation for these false teachers there's a second part here. We looked at the character of false teachers in verses 10 through 16. And I'll rehearse that in just a moment. And then we're going to look at the claim of false teachers as we kind of conclude this message this morning. So uh, the Lord Jesus warned us about false teachers. Paul the Apostle warned us about false teachers as he was talking to the church at Ephesus. Before he was leaving, he says, after I leave, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing 
the flock. Notice the language that Paul uses. Because I realize it, it, it seems like uh, if we were to identify false teachers in today, that it would seem like we're putting ourselves in a higher or better position than others. But the reality is if we don't warn about false teachers, we as spiritual leaders would be doing you great harm by not doing that. I don't know if you do this. I, my, my doctor happens to be here this morning. And so when I go to him and I've got an issue that somebody else needs to treat, you know what I say to him? This is what I say. If you had my problem, who would you go to? He doesn't badmouth other people. Okay? But you know what he does? He leads me to somebody who is competent. Somebody who knows what they're doing. Someone who knows the truth and is able to diagnose what it is and treat it properly. How much more spiritually should we be able to say, that's a false teacher. That's a false prophet. The, the, the teacher is false and their teaching is false. You can be a good teacher and if you're not careful, fall victim to false teaching. It happens all the time. Uh, it happens to good people all the time. If we're not knowing what the truth is and our eyes aren't fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified, it's easy to slip off into a false teaching. Thank goodness that we have the Holy Spirit and we have the Word of God that will correct us. And I'm always grateful for church members who can come and say, I'm not sure what you said was right. What do you think about that? And I'm grateful to God when correction takes place in my own life. All scripture has been given by God. It's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction. So there is this corrective idea of the word of God. And, uh, and so Jesus warned us that even as God's children, we can be led astray. He taught Timothy as a pastor to lead his church to know that there are false teachings. Uh, in in uh, 1 Timothy 4.1, he said, The Spirit expressly say, says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. And that kind of puts false teaching in a whole new limelight, doesn't it? I think, it's, I think it's something that you and I should embrace because the Scripture tells us that, it w that is what it is. But I think we need to realize how, how damaging false teaching can be. It is demonic. And it is from, it's a lie from the enemy who would seek to steal, kill, and destroy. False teachers and false doctrine are not there to make you feel good about you. This is going to be the best day of the rest of your life. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to come die daily and follow Jesus. You see, the best life that you and I have to look forward to is when? Heaven. I remember my brother, I said this recently again, but my brother's dying day, it was great to know that he had said... Oh, this is going to be the best day of my life. You see, that's heaven. That is heaven. 
So we need to be warned. How do we identify false teachers? Well, down in Matthew's gospel in the seventh chapter, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uh, told us in verses 17 through 15, beware of false prophets who come to you. Notice how they come, in sheep's clothing. Now what does he mean by that? They, They come in as if they are saints of God. They come in as if they are among us. They come from within. And uh, you and I have a, a bombardment of influence from without that is full of false teaching. Oftentimes it may come through a television program that you may see. It comes through a a letter that comes in the mail and someone picks up something that sounds good at face value and that is the way of a false teacher. They take something that is true and put a falsehood beside it and pretty soon they'll lead you away from the truth to the falsehood and you'll believe that it is real. So he says be, be careful. They come in sheep, sheep's clothing but inside they are ravenous wolves that's that's not a pretty picture is it and you and I need to see that we may see somebody and say well they're really not doing any harm they have such a positive teaching I remember when Robert Shuler was on the air and and everybody was talking about I just feel better when I'd go hear Robert Shuler and the reality was he was a false teacher he would lead people away from Christ you see that that comes to be the uh, really the litmus test is what have they really done with the Lord Jesus Christ where is the call to discipleship where is a call to the reality of what the gospel really is all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution and that's a message you won't hear the message is if you come follow Christ then you'll be blessed you'll be better you'll be happier you'll be more wonderful and anybody who's walked this Christian life uh, for any time, and I'm uh, next month, it'll be my spiritual birthday, 50 years I've, since I was born again, made a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I've walked those uh, decades of, with Christ, and I can tell you there have been wonderful, marvelous times. But the reality, there have been a lot of hard, difficult days. There have been hours that you thought, I won't make it through that. Because following Jesus requires the cross. And the cross requires death. And so if you and I are going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to die to yourself that you might live unto Christ. And that you will not hear from those who are false teachers. So uh, uh, let me just read real quickly, uh, or or just refresh your mind about the condemnation that comes to false teachers in verses 1 through 9. They had several methods that they used, and I'll just uh, uh, relate these. They appear among the people as members of the church. If you want to know how their method is, they appear like they're a part of the body of Christ. Body Body of Christ local body of Christ, regional, national, and even universal around the world. They come appearing to be a part of the body of Christ. They work secretly, number two, under cover of hypocrisy. And they pretend to be what they are not. They are not 
born again children of God leading you toward a deeper walk with Jesus. Number three, these verses taught us that they bring in their false teachings alongside true doctrine and then they replace that truth with lies. And then number four, their lives deny what their lips teach. Their lives deny what their lips teach. And so that's kind of a template that I want you in your mind to be able to put over uh, people that you come suspect with. Are they really teaching the Word of God? Uh, one of the things that's unfortunate, back in verse 2 of this chapter, it teaches us that, that those who are false teachers are more popular than Jesus. They are. Those that are false teachers are more popular than Jesus. Uh, there's something enticing about the deceptiveness of sin, is it not? You know, it's kind of like the sign that says, don't go here and what's the first thing you want to do? Go there. Don't touch this. Well, I've got to touch it and find out why I'm not supposed to touch it. You know? And we do things like that. And, and that's the reality of false teachers. Is there seems to be a popularity among them. And beware when you see the popular and the profound. That's why Matthew and I work so hard and Ernie to not be popular around here. Okay? We work real hard. We don't want to be popular. Uh, there's a temptation to be popular. There's a temptation to do certain things. And I've, I've had things fall in my lap over the years that would say, if you do these things, then every, you would grow a great church. I've been told that. I've been taught that by others. And the reality is, I believe I've got a great church today. Amen? Why? Because I believe you as followers of Jesus Christ know what it is to be genuine and true. To know what it is to identify what is false and to run away from that and run to Christ. And when you get in trouble spiritually, you know there's not a, uh, there's not a little uh, saying out there that you can hang on to or a false teaching that you can grab. But you must return to the God of Scripture and the Scripture of God in order to find power in the Holy Spirit to overcome whatever there is that is setting you beside. So uh, false, teacher, false teaching can become more popular uh, than the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I see that all the time. I, um, I can remember back in a day when uh, one of my church members' mothers had cancer. And... Uh, I was pastoring in western Arkansas. She had cancer, and I, I, I don't any, envy anybody who has cancer. And uh, she had gone through all kinds of chemotherapy and different treatments, and they told her there's no way for you to have any help. And so in her moment of desperation, she went to a healing service in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, Benny Hinn was the, the leader. And... Uh, when she got there, they gave her instructions about what she was to do. And they asked her questions. If this happens, will you do such and such? And there was a whole prepping or priming the pump, as it were, for her to get on. Others were dismissed. And she was so desperate that she was willing to say whatever, she was, whatever they were willing to ask her, she was willing to do. And she went through that process. And she was brought up on the stage. And she was healed of her cancer, so to speak. 
And four weeks later, we buried her. And I got to tell you, there's just false teacher after false teacher after false teacher that are out there. And yes, I'm I'm hesitant to name names, but the list could go on. (laughs) The list could go on of people that you and I need to be wary of. Be wary of those who are fleecing the people of God and destroying lives and bringing hope when there is no hope. For our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in heaven. Our hope is in heaven. And those that preach that our hope is in heaven more than likely have an understanding of who the true Jesus is and what the true gospel is. But if they're teaching you your, their, your hope is here, then they're giving you a lie. Jesus told us yet again, you will suffer if you follow me. You cannot be my disciple if you don't have trials and temptations and struggles and hardships. That is the life of a soldier. And you have been enlisted into the army of God if you've been born again in the Spirit of God. And you are going to have struggles and hard times. But be of good cheer. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Jesus says about you and me, you are overcomers. And an overcomer is only one who has been in a battle. It's only one that's been in a struggle and in a hardship to be able to overcome. And so through Christ, you and I are overcomers. Their character, I'm going to have to mention them just real quickly. And uh, we won't be able to get into the verses. But in verses 10 through 11 of this text, we see the character of these people, one, is full of pride. Everything seems to be about themselves and not about the Lord Jesus. There's a warning here because they speak evil against uh, the glorious ones, is the way that uh, Peter describes it. And uh, we're brought back to the book of Jude. Jude and Second Peter are parallel books together. When you and I go to the book of Jude, one of the things that we see is a strange little uh, teaching that is there that talks about when Michael the arch- archangel was arguing over the body of Moses, he did not bring out a railing accusation against Satan. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying, I don't, Michael the archangel, though he had, and that's what he's saying here in this text, though he had power over the demons and though he has power through God over them, he deferred to the Father. He deferred to the Sovereign One. And God is calling us as followers of Christ to defer to the Sovereign God and yet the false teachers are willing to take on everybody, every authority, every power. And we're reminded in the scripture that power is a gift from God. It is a tool of the Lord and you and I need to recognize that. Secondly, he talks in verse 12 about their ignorance. He calls them irrational animals. Born to to be caught and destroyed. Uh, So they were ignorant of the truth. Number three, uh, verses 13 and 14. uh, They are characterized by lust, passions out of control uh, if you don't see that if you you know you gotta have a seed faith you gotta give them some money you gotta buy something what's so tragic about the false teaching of America the, Christ, the quote unquote Christian in, in America is we've exported it to Africa 
We've exported it to another continent. And right now, Africa is reeling through prosperity theology. If you believe this, then God will bless you. If you give this, God will give you more mentality. And that is false. It is contrary to the Scripture. They will be, even be the ones who will take a beautiful passage of Scripture like Isaiah 53 that talks about the atonement of Christ, the death of Christ, and, and pull out by His stripes you are healed to teach us that healing is for you right now. All you need to do is send me money, somebody said. Believe, but, but the belief will go further if you send me your money. Alright, but we, we do that, and that is a false doctrine. It sounded good because it's right alongside the truth, but it is a lie. It is a lie. And yet, we are tempted to believe it. Don't you be among them. Number four is covetousness. Uh, he tells us about Balaam. You remember Balaam who was a prophet from Moab? He was not from Israel, and he was the one that had, remember, the donkey? And the donkey spoke to Balaam. He tells us this in the context. Balaam was doing what he did for one purpose, and that was to get money. To get money. And have you ever noticed so many of these false teachers talk about money? They're trying to sell you something. They want you to buy more, more, and more. And it is the Lord that teaches us the love of money is the... Root of all kinds of evil. And you and I should be able to recognize that and dismiss it in a heartbeat. And yet people are deceived right and left. You and I are to be speakers of the truth and tellers of the truth. Notice lastly their claims. We've talked about their condemnation. We've talked about their character. Now their claims. Claim number one is they promise their followers spiritual water, but they can only deliver them dryness. They can only de deliver dryness. 2 Peter 2.17 says these, these false teachers, are waterless springs, mist, driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of our utter darkness has been reserved. This reminds us there's condemnation for them, but there's trickery on their part. They're seeking to promise us spiritual water, and yet you come up empty. How many times have I, as a pastor, come alongside somebody who's become disillusioned because of false teachers? I tell you what, there's something about having someone to stand in the pulpit week after week after week after week, year after year after year, taking the Word of God and proclaiming it to you, and you living your life in the fellowship of a local body of believers. You see, I like to listen to some preachers too. Far better than me. I don't listen to my sermons. I like them. There's some I just like, I think, man, I love to listen to them all the time. But you see what? God didn't place me in the cities where they're pastors. God put me in a different place. And where I am, I'm in a congregation that God uses to keep me in line in my spiritual walk. I see the chairman of our deacons over there. Every once in a while, he'll call me and he'll ask me a question. Or he'll text me and say, should we be doing this? Should we be, shouldn't we be considering this? Do you know how helpful that is? 
to my spiritual walk, to my spiritual growth. It's amazing. I, I see one of our elders sitting right here in the middle, and I think of all over the years that I've been here, how many times he has lovingly stated to me, you know, I think we might ought to consider. We ought to consider not doing such and such and consider doing something else. And I realize I'm the pastor and it's hard to come to the pastor and say, I think you might be wrong there, preacher. But it is certainly good when it happens to me and I can tell you this, it is good when it happens to you. When some other believer in the body of Christ comes alongside you and begins praying with you or when you have a trial or difficulty You've got a sin that is besetting to you and you say, what do I do with it? I go to another believer, confessing my sin one to another. Not to the whole church body, but to a friend who's going to walk with me, with the Word of God alongside me, in prayer, and lead me to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, there's no other place on earth like the local body of believers. If you walk in the light as He is in the light, you have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. That is in the body of a local church. Hang on to what God has blessed you with. Number two, they promise satisfaction but leave their followers always seeking. Always seeking. They, they, they notice what verse 18 says. They speak, speak loud boastings of folly. And, and it seems as if the louder they speak, the more we want to believe it. <laughs> but it says they entice by sensual passions of the flesh. Those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. There was a quote here by... Uh, I'm going to get there in a minute. By John Piper that said, We need shepherds who know themselves first and foremost as sheep and only secondary as leaders and teachers. Shepherds who know what it is to, uh, to be among the sheep, to live among the sheep. And uh, you and I don't know those popular people out there. Uh, we had, we had a couple that uh, attended our church, for, were members of our church for a long time and moved away, moved back to Minnesota. And, uh, and some of you will appreciate these names. Uh, she came here and she said, I, I just want you to know who my pastors have been before I joined the church. Uh, uh, I, John Piper was my pastor when we lived in Minnesota. And uh, we lived in Ohio and... Uh, uh, Alistair Begg was my pastor in uh, uh, there. When we were in California, John MacArthur was my pastor. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, these, these are names that are like way up here in, in spiritdom, in Christianity. And I said, oh me, how can I be your pastor? And she says, well, I'll say one thing. She can only think of one thing. So she said one thing. She said, I've never sat down and had a meal or a conversation with any of my pastors before. And there's just something about being in a fellowship where that can happen. And it is. It is. 
they promise you satisfaction, but they're always unable to leave you satisfied. And I'm not naming those, I did, no way where I name those men among false teachers. What I mean by that is, uh, you are aware that most churches have less than 100 in attendance. Are you aware of that? There are very few mega churches. And we all strive to be mega churches, and that's wrong. What we need to understand is God has given us the fellowship of where we are. You know, bloom, bloom where you're planted, right? I mean, there's always, oh man, I, I would love to be. Man, I can remember sending under Adrian Rogers preaching at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and it was wonderful. He had such a great voice. Everything was alliterated. His stories were magnificent. Oh, man, it was just wonderful. It was like going out and having steak dinner every time. You know, can I stay there? That's not where God intended for me to stay. And guess what? God didn't intend for him to stay there either. He's in heaven. That's going to be true wherever you go. Whoever is your leader. They're just there for a short time. And God says, know this, they promise you freedom, but they cannot deliver. You see, they're... They're captured by what they have promised. Verse 19 says, They promise the freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. You see, we see so many times, um, if you go to, by the way, if you go to Christian Post and read it weekly, you'll find there's a new follower, a new leader who has fought, fallen just about every week. Fall into some kind of sin. And that's something that we've got to be so wary of, so aware of. There's an enticement of sin. It never satisfies. It always bites. It is like a ravenous wolf. And sometimes it is in the humanity of a person. And it is bound up within that. And run from that teaching. But run from sin. Run from its enticements because it promises you the world and it bites and kills in the end. So they are those who promise freedom, but they in themselves are slaves of corruption. You and I see it all the time, whether it be at a great university, Christian university, where a leader there, we come to find out, is captured by every sin that you could imagine. Uh, it warns us, be very careful false teachers. I'm referring to Liberty Baptist, uh, Liberty University and all that they've gone through. It happens all the time. And it's unfortunate. It should bring us to sadness. Okay. Now you got me sad, preacher. <laughs> well, let, let me kind of bring this to a conclusion. Remember, they're wells without water. They cannot deliver on what they have promised. But 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 22 tells us if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse than the first. Now what's he talking about? He's talking about you can lose your salvation and the truth is absolutely not. <laughs> because the scripture is real clear in 1 Peter 1. Uh, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again 
to a living hope through the resurrection from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept for you in heaven. You see, you are an overcomer if you're in Christ. The person who is overcome is not in Christ. Do you get that? You don't get that. All right, if you are an overcomer, you can't be overcome. It says about these false teachers, they are overcome. So the reality is these teachers that are false teachers are not really true, genuine followers of Jesus Christ. They profess with their mouth, but they do not possess in their hearts and lives the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've noticed, I don't say the term profession of faith. I, I just, I refuse to say that. And, and there's a reason for that. I use the term confession of your faith. It is what you say with your mouth. You can profess all that you want. But if you do not possess the Lord Jesus Christ, you're none of His. You can say, I belong to Jesus. This is what these people are saying. I belong to Him. But there's no evidence that they belong to Jesus Christ. And the reason is because the last state has become worse than the first state. It would be better that they would have never known about the way of Christ. You see what they've done? They've tried to conform outwardly and, and, and reconstruct their lives instead of yielding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You see, there is only one God who has said... I will have no other gods before me. And what you can see about all false teachers is, in some way, they are demagogues, as it were. They're little gods. And they have taken over the position that Christ Jesus deserves. Who do I go to when I need money? Christ. What if Christ gives me no money? Which he often does. When I come and ask him for it. Do you know what I've learned as a believer? It is good that I not have that money. I have people ask me this question. I've been offered this great job. They're going to double my salary. Shouldn't I go take it? I go, time out, wait a minute. Do you think you can handle that kind of money? You know, people have a hard time handling it, don't they? It is very deceptive that that's obviously God's hand because God wants to do what with His children? Bless His children. No. <laughs> he wants to use us in His glory for His kingdom's sake. And it may be better that I take a lesser paying job and have my mindset on the things of God and not on the things of this world. And so God reminds us here that you are an overcomer if you are in Christ Jesus. You see, sheep don't eat their vomit. And they don't waller in their slop. Dogs do. I've got a dog. I love him to death. The things he'll eat. I mean, the things he'll eat are just nasty. And then he'll come over and want to lick you. That's a dog. Do you know that a dog and a hog are unclean? They are. They're listed among the unclean animals. Who are the clean? What's the clean animal? Sheep. 
sheep or the clean animal. And you see what the real false teacher and the real false teaching is? It's unclean. And you and I need to run from it. We need to avoid it. We need to return to the Lord Jesus Christ whenever we recognize that it has become a part of who we are. And say no to it. Say no to them. I cannot listen to that. It can even be Christian radio. It can be songs on the radio that are not... They do not bear witness to the character of who Jesus Christ. Do not listen to it. Put your, fix your minds on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Him. Bring it all under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the only way that you can be His sheep, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow not the preacher, not the teacher. They follow me. And today, are you following Jesus Christ? And what looking at false teachers ought to do is to say to you, you can grow and mature with Christ alone. In the body of believers that God has redeemed and saved, and we're imperfect, yes we are. But we have a perfect Savior. You have a perfect pastor. His name's Jesus. You have a perfect shepherd. It is Christ your Lord. And you, you know, there are other people that are generals in God's army and there are others that are lieutenants. I think a pastor is probably a lieutenant. Okay? Paul would have been a, a general and a pastor is a lieutenant. But we're all working for our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. Are you in Christ today? Are you holding the integrity of Christ so dear to your heart that you personally refuse to listen to false teachers and false teaching? And secondly, are you warning others? Do not listen to Joyce Myers. She's a false teacher. Don't listen to her. Some of what she says sounds so good. But what you have to know is she's leading you away from Christ. And she's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And Father, I pray that we would have such strong, a strong view of who you are that in the day in which we live, that we can identify through the Word of God and through the God of the Word who the false teachers are. And through the Holy Spirit of God that we would understand that this does not line up with the body of truth with His holy, which is Holy Scripture. And Lord, the reality is we all know that at times we've allowed false teaching to kind of Sneak into our lives and you tell us, cut it off. And run to the Savior. And Father, you help us to realize who the false teachers are. And help us to not only avoid them for ourselves, but Lord, to capture others away from the enemy that would still kill and destroy.
That through faith in Christ alone, by your grace, they can become overcomers through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that sheep will hear your voice. And they will know you. And they will follow you. And you will give to them eternal life. And they shall never perish. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together. And we're going to have a song of commitment.